You were created for more, and this show is meant to inspire and equip you with the tools you need to help you live on purpose. This is the podcast that keeps it real and highlights amazing business owners and impact makers so that you get your fire ignited and take your greatness out into the world. If you've got big dreams and know you were created for more, this is the place to be, and I'm so happy you're here. Welcome to the Created For More podcast. I'm so excited about today's episode. I have had an attorney on the show when it was Nice Girl CEO podcast, and I feel like you can... You can't get enough of legal guidance and things to think about and questions to ask, especially for business owners, because we have to protect ourselves, our families, our assets, and make sure that we are also protecting the people that we're working with by making sure these legal things are in place. So Sherry is our guest today. She is incredible. She is going to give us the top three things that we need to think about when we from formation um, on so that we know kind of what to do. And then she's also going to give us just some like quick tips on a broad range of legal topics. And as a business owner, these are crucial to your success because you don't ever want to be in a position where you're getting sued and you are not protected. God forbid that happens, of course, but it can happen. And it's so much better to be protected before that happens. Obviously, we don't want it to happen, but it's good to be protected so that we don't have to worry about it. This is going to take that worry and the stress away. So listen in. If you're a business owner, especially learn about what to do and how to protect yourself and how Sherry can help you even more if you are ready to dive in and become fully protected in your business. Can't wait to share more. Hey, it's Lisa Benavidez with the Created for More podcast, and I'm excited about today's guest because she is going to inspire us, but also answer maybe a few questions that we all have. Sherry is a small business attorney in Pennsylvania, and I know that I always have questions about this, so I love having you as a guest today. Sherry, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Lisa. I'm glad to be here. (laughs) Awesome. So tell us a little bit about you and exactly what you do and about your business a bit? Um, So I am, as you said, a small business attorney. And what that means is that I help small business owners get legally compliant and legally protected. So that's making sure that they're compliant with all the rules and regulations that apply to their business, but also making sure they're moving forward in their business in a way that they're safe. That includes things like business formation and contracts, but it also includes things like copyright and trademark protection so that it's kind of the whole package of everything they need to move forward with the confidence that they are legally protected. I love it. It's such a tricky subject too, because we don't know what we don't know. And so many of us just dive in and start working. And then we're like, oh, there's this thing that we got to do. We got to become an LLC and we have to do these legal things, but then we still don't know. And then we Google things or we don't ask all the right questions. And it's kind of scary, right? So I had an attorney on my podcast from before when it was Nice Girl CEO. And I remember I felt like such a a baby business owner because I took so long to apply to become an LLC and get legit. And I know that there's still things I can do. So I'm excited to talk with you more. But before we get there, 
I really just want to hear more about you um, and your journey into how you got started. So um, I'm going to go all the way back to when I first became a lawyer, which is a long time ago now. (laughs) I spent my first 16 years in law firm practice with two different firms. I did everything from divorce and child custody to insurance defense work to um, appellate work and, you know, mainly researching and drafting briefs and making all the partners in the firm look good while I stayed in the background. And I did that for 16 years until the point at which it was simply unsustainable because I had young children. My family, as far as I was concerned, always came first. The partners didn't really like that (laughs) um, and didn't consider that appropriate for their law firm practice. So I left law firm to go in-house and I became in-house general counsel for our regional multiple listing service. And I did that for 16 years. And in terms of a move career-wise, best move I could have made, there was no billable hours. I didn't have to make rain. I, I didn't have to bring in clients. I had one client and I did whatever they needed. And it was really nice. And I was a law firm of one, I mean, a law department of one. And you know, I, I was a member of the executive team and the CEO relied on me and I felt useful and good and I was doing good stuff. And for the first 13 years of that, it was fantastic. And then we went through a merger and then it wasn't fantastic anymore. And a few years into it, my CEO left, a new CEO came on board. And as is the story with many people who go through corporate mergers, most of the executive team was let go and I was part of that. And so here I was at the end of 2019, unemployed and trying to figure out what am I going to do with the rest of my career because I'm just a little too young to retire, but um, I don't want to learn a whole new language. I don't want to go into an area of law that I'm not familiar with. And I'm, I'm trying to figure it out and like looking at all the things I know and all the things I've done. Well, there was another piece of my life that played a big role in that decision-making, which is I've always had side hustles. I don't think that's particularly common for attorneys because our lives are pretty full as it is but I always had side hustles. I started off doing making crafts and selling at craft shows. Then I did eight years in the scrapbooking industry and I worked for two different scrapbooking companies and also had my own t-shirt design business um, geared towards scrapbookers. And I went to a lot of crops and conventions, you know, selling this stuff. And Then for a few years, my husband and I had a booth at an antique mall and we, um, you know, bought stuff in the yard sale and flea market circuit, fixed it up, redesigned it, rejiggered it, made new things out of it and sold them at this booth. And we loved it. Um, I dropped that when my full-time job got just a little too crazy. And it was actually the beginning of 2019 that we let the antique mall go and the end of 2019 when I lost my job. But so I, I took all of that into account and I was like, I really, I understand small business. I understand what they go through, what their struggles are. And I get all of the crafters and writers and 
landscapers and all of those people out there who are doing these things because they love to do them and because they enjoy running their own business. But uh, so many of them don't get legal help. They don't get legal help because either they don't know they need it or they go to a law firm and the prices are so exorbitant that they're just like, if if the law firm will even talk to them, because a lot of big firms aren't going to waste their time on a solopreneur, there's not enough money to be made to even bring them in the door. Right. So I figured that those people need help and they need information just as much as the bigger companies who can afford to have a law firm on retainer or a lawyer on staff. So I decided that the best way to move forward um, in my career was to start my own practice um, representing small business owners. And I made the decision um, at the beginning of 2020 to open this (laughs) practice. And um, I decided before I even opened it that it was going to be virtual, that I wanted to work from home. I didn't want to spend the money on a law office and a reception, you know, like office space and a receptionist or a secretary, because if I did, then I would have to charge more. And I was trying to make my services accessible to small business. So March 1st of 2020, I opened my doors and said, hello, I'm in business. And March 14th, our county shut down. Yes, I I know the dates all too well. <laughs> but um, it turned out to be a blessing in disguise because I was already set up virtual. I was ready to help people where all the other attorneys in the county were scrambling to figure it out. So, Well, first of all, God bless you on wanting to really make this accessible to more small business owners because you're right. We even when we learn that we're supposed to do these things legally, we still get afraid because of the big dollar signs, right? And I feel like when we can just bring it down a notch and have somebody like you that's just really on our side to help us walk through this, it makes such a difference. And especially too, like with this online business world, when you're hearing so much of like, the high ticket sales and charge more. It's like, yes, I want to charge more and I want to be profitable, but I also want to help a lot of people. And how do you do that and make it sustainable and profitable at the same time? So congrats on that. That's number two. Thank you. And uh, number three is amen to these these, uh, scary times when people started fumbling. I mean, my heart breaks for them But when you can just kind of stay focused on where you want to be versus the chaos that's currently happening, I feel like that's such an important thing. And even going back to your story about being working in a law firm, I used to work for nonprofit associations when I first started working in general, and two of the associations were attorney-based. So I know exactly what it feels like to work with the the attorney, right? Like most lawyers, they're so difficult. So not you, you're amazing. (laughs) But there's, you know, a little bit of a stigma there. And I totally get it because our kids are number one and no, that industry doesn't seem to care about that. And same with our small businesses. Like we have to focus on those things that we want. And sometimes the burnout is where we find that dream, right? Find what we were created to do. 
but it's a matter of also, again, letting go of what's happening to step into that, that new platform. So amazing. Thank you. And you know, what you were saying about the typical attorneys, I have (laughs) been told so many times throughout my career that you're not like any other lawyer I ever met. And I wear that as a badge of honor. I don't want to be like any other lawyer you've ever met. Oh, I love that. It's so true. And not to any attorneys that are listening, it's not to put anyone down. It's just that there, there is something that happens when you have that corporate mindset of these big companies, especially law firms, that we can let go of because it's not serving anything but a short period of time. And as long as you are on this earth, I feel like we're supposed to serve and do more with our gifts and talents than just, you know, work and be burnt out and not really happy at the end of the day. So thank you. (laughs) So quick question, because you are in Pennsylvania, but you work online, do you help small businesses all across the country? That is a very good question. And I'm going to tell you that our rules of ethics have some very strong, um, requirements regarding unauthorized practice of law and what you can and can't do with your law practice. So I am licensed barred in Pennsylvania and Maryland. Okay. So for things like business formation and contracts, it's just those two states. Luckily for me, luckily for everyone else, um, copyright and trademark are based on federal law. So I don't have those state Um, limitations, I can help anyone in the U.S. with copyright and trademark. I love it. I love it. All right. So let's dive in a bit. So, okay, let's start from the beginning, right? The first thing you got to do is the formation. Any tips or things that we should know that we might not know? Again, those things like we can't ask what we don't know. We don't know what we don't know. Um, To help somebody who has not yet formed their business, whether they're brand new or have been in it for a while and it's just been lagging where should they start? Um, So the first thing they need to know is what type of entity they want to set Mm -hmm. up. So the question is, do you want to stay a sole proprietor and not set up an entity at all? And there are some situations where that's actually appropriate. Um, Do you want to be an LLC? What are the advantages and disadvantages of that? Or do you, for some reason, need to be a corporation? For most of the small businesses I work with, LLC is is the right choice simply because it meets their needs without putting all of those extra requirements on them that a corporation, you know, with a corporation, you have to have a board of directors, you have to have shareholders, you have to have bylaws. Um, it's, It's a lot more work and you have to maintain corporate minutes and have annual meetings and stuff that's just not required by most states for an LLC. But every state is different. So the other thing is you need to look at what the requirements are in your own state. The one thing that I think most small businesses miss in that regard is the purpose for filing an LLC is to protect your personal assets and to keep them separate from your business assets so that if your business ever gets sued, they can't go after your home and your 401k account and um, your your bank accounts and whatever else because you have created that separation. People don't understand that that's the main point of doing that. And they think it's about taxes, but taxes are something separate um, that aren't straight up about business formation. 
Yeah, no, I agree on that point for sure. I didn't know there was so much involved though with escort. So is there like, what I've always heard is like when you're making X amount is when you should consider an S-corp, but is that actually true? All right. So an S-corp, and, and here's another big misconception in, yeah. in the world of understanding you know, business formation. An S-corp is not actually an entity that you set up the way you do an LLC or a corporation. You, yeah. you either set up an LLC or a C-corp. The S corp is a tax election and it can cannot be made by a sole proprietor. It can be made by either an LLC or a C corp. And the sole reason to make an S corp election is tax related and how your taxes play in. And so, yes, there are thresholds at which it starts making sense and thresholds underneath which it just costs you more than it makes sense because the minute you um, make that S-corp election, you have to pay yourself a salary. You need to set up payroll. If you have employees, now you need workers' comp and all those things. Um, So it really goes into, are you at a point where you can afford to pay yourself a salary? And does it make more sense for your business for you to be paying yourself a salary as opposed to an owner's draw? Got it. That makes sense. And I didn't realize that little, you know, twist on it being a tax filing. It is. What did you call it? It's a tax election. Tax election. Um, Wow. Okay. So I know that that's a lot of what our questions are. It's like, how do we have more tax write-offs? How do we keep more of our money? So we don't have to go into that too much, but I would love to know if you have like one or two things to share on that to help somebody probably more specifically with an LLC, because I think that's where most of us are going to lie. Uh, listening to this show? Um, The biggest thing I can tell you with regard to an LLC is keep really good records of your expenditures. Make sure when you are going anywhere that has anything even remotely (laughs) related to your business that you're tracking your mileage. Mileage can add up to a huge deduction that a lot of people let go. They don't do it. Uh Um, Tax laws, normally you can only deduct 50% of meals um, out that are related to your business. Right now, we're still in a grace period um, from one of the COVID rules that for 2022, you can still deduct 100%. Oh, so that is going to change. It will probably go back to the 50%, but there's no new rule out. For this year, it's still at 100. As of the current recording of this show, if this episode... It is at the hundred percent, but you know, we always have to double check that, double check our state, double check with our CPAs, our tax experts for sure. All right. Awesome. And yes, to mileage that as uh, I've done a lot of event planning throughout my, in my business as well. And that business mileage. So good. I can adds up. It does. Sometimes if I don't have it uh, in my first round, I'm like, oh gosh, I hate that number that I'm seeing. But then I send the mileage in and it's like, it drops significantly. So yes to mileage. Um, Okay, so now let's go back because I kind of got us off track there with the, so we're going to set up LLC. That's like number one for sure. I was just talking to a client recently and reviewing their website. And at the bottom, they were asking me, you know, what do I put down here? I'm not sure. It seems kind of bare. And I was like, you know, typically this is where like privacy policy and terms of 
conditions go. And he didn't have any of that there. So would that be like a number two on the list to have an in place on a website or how does that fall into the picture? Um, my number two is always contracts. Um, but website is probably number three. Okay. And you're absolutely correct. Um, in the footer of your website, you want your copyright notice, any disclaimers that you need based on the type of business you're running and your privacy policy. And a lot of people don't realize privacy policy is legally required because you don't know where your visitors are coming from. And the entire European Union is under GDPR. So if anybody comes in from, you know, UK or France or Spain, um, you know, you need to have that there. And California has rules, several other states, but you just don't know where your people are coming from. So you need that there to be legally compliant. The terms and conditions are not legally required, but I kind of look at that as a, why would you not have it when it's a, a easy way for you to put a lot of legal protections for your business in place. Yeah. I definitely recommend them. I agree. Um, It's funny because sometimes I'm kind of old fashioned. So I love like, you know, we're just going to shake on it and this is an agreement and we're going to be good, but we can't do that. Right. So being legally covered and protected, having these things in place, and we're going to talk about contracts too, real quick, like having these things with your clients and anybody that you're working with is a protection on both sides. So it can't be looked at as something like fishy or like cringy, right? Like it is something that is it's protecting both parties or all parties included. It absolutely is. And, you know, with contracts, I've had a number of my clients after I've drafted, you know, their service contract and they start using it, they get comments like, oh, well, you must be a really serious business. You actually are asking me to sign a contract. It gives you, um, gives your business some credibility that you are taking it seriously when you have those in place. So not only are you protecting yourself, you're protecting the other side, you're setting clear expectations about how this business relationship works and what happens if there's ever a dispute, but you're also getting that added credibility boost. Yeah, I agree. So number one is the formation. Number two is contract. So this is both with clients and with like contractors or anyone that you're working with. Yes. Anybody you collaborate with, um, if you wanted to do a joint uh, webinar with somebody, you should have a collaboration agreement. Anybody that you're hiring their services, whether it's, you know, to do your web design or to um, do your payroll or your bookkeeping or, you know, your social media, whatever it is, anybody that you're working with, there should be a contract. Good point. And that is changing as of today with me. I love that. And then number three is our website. Um, Just making sure that we have those privacy policies, copyright protection, all of that. Um, I feel like I can't not ask you about the trademark. So that's just like, we always see this online, right? Like that's the new thing to have is like how many trademarks because we can trademark a lot of things, right? And it's different from our business name. We can't just claim program names necessarily. We got to also trademark. 
So tell us about this. Like, how do we go about that? What should we trademark? Some really quick tips on that. So trademark can cover everything from your trade name, so the business name that you're trading under, um, your logo, your tagline, names of programs, podcasts, um, offerings, any of that kind of stuff. And the important piece for me on trademark is before you adopt a name, whether it's a business name or a name of a program, is getting a trademark clearance search to make sure that you're not infringing somebody else's already registered trademark. I mean, it would be an absolute crying shame if you spend a bunch of money building out your website, you know, setting up um, your social media all under a name. And, you know, and then you go and you get printed materials and you get logoed items and stuff and then find out after you've done all this and after you've spent all this money that somebody else is already using that name and they send you a cease and desist letter and you have to get rid of everything and start over. And that has actually been the death knell for so many small businesses because they didn't check it first. Um, So I I, want to just caution everyone, check it first before you start using a name. Then the second thing is once you've picked a name and you're ready to spend the money on all of those things on your website, on your advertising, on your logoed items, all of those things, protect it and protect it by filing the trademark. Yeah. Um, Because the the other thing you don't want to do is spend all that money and then have somebody else take all your great ideas and run with them because you didn't file the trademark registration. Okay. And where do we get to check that clearance and then file it? All right. So the the trademark clearance, you can do a simple check yourself on USPTO.gov. You're looking for TESS, which is the the trademark search engine. And you just put in the name. Now that will tell you if your exact name is being used somewhere. That's not a full clearance search. If you're actually going to adopt a name, what you really want is the full clearance search. And I recommend strongly that you use an attorney to do that because what we go through and the work we do to clear a name for you and then give you the opinion letter saying, yes, it's good or no, it's not, um, is you will never find all the things that we do. You're not trained. You're right. Yeah. There's a reason that you've had this level of education and the experience and the opportunities that you have that we don't have to go that deep. So hundred percent. Um, okay. So we want trademarks and I didn't know you could trademark logos too. It's kind of yes, interesting. Absolutely. See, this is what I mean. I have attorneys on here and then my brain's like, crap, what's going on? <laughs> um, okay. I really want to know about your book. I have way too many already sitting on my nightstand, but I know that it's going to be helpful. So tell us about smooth sailing. And I'm going to add the link in the show notes so we can make sure everyone gets a copy. Okay, sure. So Smooth Sailing, A Practical Guide to Legally Protecting Your Business is a book that I wrote um, in my first year of running my own practice because I was frustrated that I was networking with so many small business owners who were not in Pennsylvania or Maryland, and I couldn't help them directly with things like business formation and contracts. 
So I wanted to give them basic information. These are the things you need to know about. These are the things you need to be thinking about when you're starting a small business. Or if you've been doing it for a few years, here's a checklist to go through and make sure you got everything in place and you're good to go. And I wanted to make sure that it was easily readable. Um, it's not a lot of legalese. I, I avoided it as much as I could while still conveying legal concepts, but it's just, it's meant to be pretty much a desk reference. So it's there. You can read it cover to cover. It's, I hope, interesting. <laughs> um, but you can also just say, oh, I have a question about contracts and you can look up the contract chapter. And, you know, for example, in that chapter, I have just little blurbs about each of the types of clauses you might find in a typical contract. So what is an indemnification clause? What is a warranty clause? You know, what's a disclaimer? And so that you understand what those are and why they're in a contract. And, you know, it could help you maybe read a contract so that you know what you're looking at. The idea behind the book was really for you to be able to understand enough of the basics to know what you need and have an intelligent conversation with an attorney instead of going in going, I want to start this business and I have no idea. So at least you walk in with a base level of education. So, so helpful. And I love that you mentioned it's kind of just like a desk book. So when you have those questions or you're thinking of this, you can just easily grab it, look it up and go. I also feel like this is not a quick process, like in general, right? Like all of these things to do takes time. Yeah. I would say yes, definitely. When I'm working with a brand new business owner who hasn't done anything yet, they came to me, you know, straight out of the gate, just getting them set up with their LLC and their contracts and, you know, the appropriate documentation on their website and all those kind of things generally is a one to two month kind of thing. For business owners who've been in business for a while, you can approach it from a, let's just knock one thing out a month, you know, kind of, you don't have to do it all at once. It's just, you want to be moving in the direction of getting these protections in place. And when you go into trademark, it takes a long time simply because the USPTO is so backed up that the process no. <laughs> yeah the, pro- the process from filing to actually getting a registration if nothing goes wrong is about 13 months right now. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Incredible. Wow. Okay. But I love the idea of just one thing at a time. You know, pick one thing this month, get it done. The next month have a goal, get it done. And then this book will help us. And it sold like kind of everywhere, Amazon. Um, It's available on Amazon and anywhere else books are sold. The retail price is $19.99. I know Amazon always has it somewhat discounted, Um, but yeah. Love it. Broadly. Like it's such a good investment and something that we cannot ignore. If we are going to be in business and go from like this side hustle hobby um, life and business, because that you know that's obviously like what it is. Making it an actual business, protecting yourself and your family and your own assets is so crucial. And it's also one of those things. I kind of feel like it's our health, right? We don't want to wait until something happens to do something about it. So take the precautions now to 
take care of yourself, your business, and the health of both um, so that you are in a good place. And that when something, if God forbid, something comes up, you know how to handle it and you're covered. You could not have said that better, Lisa. Um, (laughs) Seriously. And I say this over and over and over again, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. You know, like proactively taking these steps beats litigation any day of the week. And if I'm doing my job, hopefully you never get sued. But if you do, you have the right assets in place that when you go into court, you have a very strong case. I don't ever want to see any of my clients in court. I, I actually don't do litigation. My goal is to avoid that at all costs and, and to get right. you in a place where you have all the protections in place so that you don't have to worry about that. Yes, yes, yes. Well, Sherry, thank you so much for this. It's so helpful and eye-opening that um, I feel like I could just talk to you every day, all day, but and still not have enough because there's so much. But that's why it's important to have somebody like you on my side, right? So we all as business owners really should consider, number one, at least getting curious in doing these things, get her book and connect. Follow Sherry on social media, check out her website. And especially if you're in Pennsylvania and Maryland, you're definitely going to be able to work with her. But all of us can if we are um, just you know after the formation part of it. So thank you so much for being a guest. I really appreciate all of your knowledge and insight. It's been my pleasure, Lisa. Thank you for having me. Have a great day. I'll see you soon.